0: Welcome to Box Talk, a podcast for affiliates and coaches, powered by Box Pro Magazine. John Briggs first found out about CrossFit from Clay Weldon and Chris Cooper when they were clients of his accounting firm, Inside Tax. As he dove into the CrossFit world at CrossFit GSL, he realized the gym was struggling. After an email, he soon found himself a business partner of the box. Since then, John has learned a lot about having the right team and how you should never overestimate the danger of a bad coach. He has seen how hard it is for his micro-gym clients to implement three revenue streams, and he has learned through the pandemic how essential having a full-time person at the gym is. And finally, with the recent events surrounding CrossFit HQ and Greg Glassman, the idea of knowing who your brand is has never been more important. As you listen to this episode, Look out for the common problem John sees in the micro gyms he talks to, why he believes you must have a mentor, and how having a positive impact honestly starts with your cash flow. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Box Talk. I'm your host, Heather Hartman, editor of Box Pro Magazine, and I am here with a spe- special guest. I say that every single stinking time because they're all special. I really mean that. Um... I'm here with John. John, can you go ahead and say, hey, tell us who you are and where you're coming from?
1: Yeah. Hey, so um, I'm John Briggs. I'm the owner of Insight Tax, also an affiliate owner, and we are in Salt Lake City, Utah.
0: Yes. John is a busy man. We we talked a little bit over uh, quarantine. We were on a panel together that Nicole... um, from uh, HSN and BoxPro partner to put on together. And I know John, you were just kind of saying there's a lot going on with the gym and there's a lot going on with everything else. So he's a busy man. So thank you for being here today and taking time out of your day, I appreciate that. Um, but I, I always love to start with the story. How did you get into CrossFit? how did you find CrossFit? Um, it sounds like you kind of have a winding road, uh, but can you go ahead and just share the story about how you got into this industry?
1: Yeah. So um, I have to give credit to Clay Weldon. He is the, the founder of 321 Go. He was a client of mine in our tax firm and uh, he started this service where they're creating websites and they were focusing on gym owners. And then they he brought in Chris Cooper. So at the time they were together before 2Brain became a thing. And uh, they're like, look, we're doing this thing. We thought you know, what you shared with us from a tax standpoint was really cool. Would you be willing to share that with gym owners? I'm like, yeah, that's great. Because my philosophy has always been educate the crap out of people and let them choose to use you or not. There's no point in the hard sell type of stuff. Just I'm not comfortable with it with my personality. So I'm like, you're going to put gym owners in front of me so I can educate them. Yeah, that's good. Let's do that. (laughs) Um, and uh, during that time, I also happened to come across a book called The Pumpkin Plan by Mike Michalowicz. And he talks of, like the book is really just a really great metaphor of finding a niche and then growing that. And I realized as I'm reading his book on discovering what your niche is and I'm working with gym owners. I'm like, holy cow, these gym owners are really great. They know they don't understand the accounting stuff. and so they're really receptive, just like when as a gym owner or a coach, you have the member that's responsive to the cues you're giving them and you see them progress. It's the same thing on the tax side, because um, what some people may not realize, there's other professions, nothing against them. I use them. They're great. But sometimes lawyers and dentists and doctors have a different type of ego coming into using an accountant. And it's like, OK, I don't really want to battle with you on everything. So they, be, anyway, so we identified that. And then after a few years, I realized, you know, I, I don't really understand very much about what's going on with CrossFit. Like in my mind, at that point, I was, I think what a lot of other people now who aren't familiar with it think about it, it's like, wait, what do you guys do? You guys are like passing giant truck tires to each other, and you know, you're lifting mini coupes and you're I don't understand. So felt like I should. You know, participate a little bit. Ended up joining a, a gym here locally, which was CrossFit GSL. So I became a member of that, and um, I mean that really is what got me not just exposed to the industry, but then also participating as a as a member as well.
0: Yeah, and I, I love that that you had kind of gotten drawn in. You saw your niche you saw that oh this this is kind of neat how these gym owners are reacting and responding to these accounting services it sounds like they responded pretty well and even that you're like "Hmm, maybe i should do a little more crossfit so i can understand them better i think that's really interesting has that really opened up uh insight into the world of the gym owner allowed you to like be a better accountant for them because you've been a member
1: yeah it it did um initially because then also it's like okay they're not they're not doing the crazy stuff that i thought they were doing it it you know it's exercising it reminded me of when i played sports in high school a lot of those types of workouts which then brought me back to it's like i enjoyed that and this you know so from that regard it was good but personally probably wasn't enough in my opinion which is why as i continued to focus on as a firm on finding micro gym owners. And then um, the gym I was going to was showing signs that I have, I discovered were like not good signs in a gym. <laughs> like, wait a minute, I've created this habit. So when just so you know, when I joined CrossFit, like the very first time I was like 41% body fat, which was bad, not great. That's not a great percentage. <laughs> which your audience knows, but um, yes. <laughs> and um, so like here I've established this new exercise routine. I'm getting fitter. I'm losing weight. I'm feeling healthier, being healthier. Uh, and then I'm like, wait a minute. I think the gym I'm going to, they might go under, like there's no way they're profitable. I was doing the, like just simple math in my head based on the square footage they were at the number of members. The fact they only did group training and didn't have any other sort of service. They never talked about any other service. Like just some of the simple signs that I think um, we've been able to see working with so many gym owners. And so I approach the owner like all of us love as now from an owner's hat standpoint. You love it when a member is like, hey, by the way, I think I have a good idea what you can do to run your business better. Right. It's like, uh, yeah, thanks. Peace out, you know. Um, so I sent him an email. I said, I don't know if you know who I am. I'm just a member of your gym. And, um, I happen to work with, you know, more than a few hundred micro gyms. And so I know trends and a few things like that. And I'm a little worried that you might be going under just know, if I were an owner, I would do X, Y, Z. So like, I was like, I would hire a, a gym mentor who's been down this path who can guide you i would implement nutrition services and personal training things like that and it's like the appropriate response he probably should have gave me was hey thanks but screw you you know like like who is i'm just a member to him you know um but he he's very gracious and he's like actually do you want to go to lunch so i'm like yeah sure And at lunch, he told me, I've actually tried to sell the gym three times. You're right, we aren't profitable. I'm drowning. I don't have the funds to keep supporting this forever. Um, And he's like, in your email, you said, if you were a gym owner, you would do these things. So what if you were the gym owner? Like, have you ever thought about that? So um, that's what got me into ownership. And I can tell you the ownership side has definitely helped me understand how our accounting services are perceived and affect, and like, and affect the gym owners way more. Because like before that, we would come into a client and we'd see, look, hey, you're only doing group nutrition. Well, or group programming, you're not doing nutrition, you're not doing personal training. You, you really need three solid uh, revenue streams. Like the financially fit gyms have at least three solid ones. And those are the obvious, like nutrition and personal training are obvious revenue streams to add um when we would tell that beforehand sometimes we would be frustrated the next time we have a call with the gym owner it's like how come you haven't implemented it yet like what's your problem and now i realize holy crap there is a lot of stuff that goes into adding a new revenue stream not to mention trying to get through some of your coaches who may not have been good coaches uh, because they don't want to offer all those services it's like wait so do you Do you care about the members in a way that I want you to care about the members? It's like there's all these things that came up as the gym owner trying to implement these steps that I've now realized um, help us better. So now that I can share that with my team and say, "Hey, when we let them know they need to add these things, you have to give them patience. You should even maybe hold their hand a little bit, maybe shoot them emails, ask them what they're struggling through, like those types of things." Hmm. Wow,
0: that's that's crazy. Even just spouting out that email with some suggestions like you said "Mm, maybe not the thing (laughs) to do but crazy how it turned out so you you took on ownership right and you became i think it was in 2018 2018
1: Uh we just hit the Mm two-year mark for my anniversary yeah
0: that's incredible john that's cool so curious what what have been some of the top things you've learned over the past two years of being an owner uh maybe i mean unfortunately in your first two years you had to go through a pandemic which i'm sure you never expected uh but kind of curious you know what are maybe some of the top things that you realize as an owner you've been learning you can maybe share with our audience that might benefit them in hearing
1: yeah and just so to make a little plug to come back to it i have some thoughts of how the pandemic has been really great for our gym um so honestly what surprised me is how long it took to change things in the gym. Now, a lot of times, most gym owners, I shouldn't say most, because nowadays, uh, gyms have been bought and sold quite a few times sometimes. Um, But if you create the gym yourself, and then you end up to a point where you realize we're not profitable, we're not doing things the right way, you at least were the one who journeyed through that. So you kind of know the mistakes you made. I went ahead and jumped in at the bottom of the barrel. We're just like, I, I have no idea what the previous owners, what mistakes they actually made. I'm just like, okay, here's kind of this pile of crap that I willingly bought part of, you know? Um, and so I had to go through some of that ex- learning experience myself, uh, which further lengthened the amount of time that it was a huge steaming pile of crap. <laughs> and. Uh, I also realized we're trying to implement these things that we know work because the mentors we hired, um, we hired Two Brain Business t- for our mentorship. And we we know, and especially I know because I worked with them on their clients, they're pro- they were providing like, these are proven methods. These are things that you can do that work in other gyms and hundreds of other gyms. I'm like, why aren't they working? And I realized like your team is super important. We had coaches that just, um, for whatever reason, uh, some of them, all the coaches had different underlying reasons as to why it just wasn't going to work out with the culture that we wanted and the culture of change that we needed. Uh, but until we got that fixed, all the changes that we were trying to make weren't taking hold, like implementing standard operating procedures, simple things, adding personal training. You know, when you, have coaches who hadn't done personal training uh in your gym for i don't know three to four years and you say hey we're gonna start doing this uh they were actually really mad at me like yeah it was one one told me that what we were suggesting was offensive like okay maybe maybe you're not the right fit for our our gym and the culture that we want where we know we're caring about members and all that stuff um So like once we fixed that, then all of a sudden the changes we were trying to make took hold because the team was on board. They saw the vision. They had the same passion we did of helping our members just have a better, healthier life. Uh, But that like I just that was one of my biggest takeaways is your team is super important and you cannot overestimate the danger a bad coach is. Like if you think it's bad, I promise it's worse than what you think it is. And I know those conversations are hard. We had to have them. They were not easy to tell someone who'd been with the gym almost from its inception uh, that, you know what, this isn't going to work. And uh, it, yeah. So I get that sometimes that's hard for gym owners, especially when they might have a friendship with them. But from a business standpoint, you have to take that friendship out of the equation to make a better business decision for your gym. Because if not, Like the gym was going to close. Now we have those members that are going to have to find a new fitness home. And we know statistically that um, a lot of those people won't find a new gym home. They'll just stop.
0: Yeah, that's, I mean, you're right. It is hard. That is one of the things that I think affiliate owners struggle with the most is having those hard conversations. Because CrossFit is such a tight-knit community with coaches and members that it feels wrong to go to them be like "Mm, you're not a good fit you can't come here anymore you can't coach here anymore but you're right if you want to have a a thriving business that might be a conversation you have to have
1: yeah i mean it's really like you're kind of kicking out a family member right which in real life with our blood family none of us have i mean i've never personally experienced that or would even consider it but yeah, like this person, person's part of the community. We know you're loved and endeared by many in the community, but uh, there's a lot of stuff you're doing that just isn't isn't going to work. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's tough. It's tough.
0: Yeah. So, have you gone about then rebuilding that team, and you found success in rebuilding it?
1: Yeah, we have. Um, we have an amazing team right now. Um, they are all on board with caring about the co- or about the members, caring about each other. Um, I mean, we had a scenario just to describe some of the culture. Once we had a coach ask like, Hey, can someone fill in my spot? Uh, and we just assumed cause he, he needed something to do and you just assume it's always for the right reason. So another coach jumped in and said, yeah, no problem. I got your back. I'll take over your, your slot. Well, that coach who wanted his time taken over was still at the gym. And he just kind of meandered around the whole time that his class was going on and so the one coach who is still part of our team because he's a team player was like honestly that really rubbed me the wrong way (laughs) like why am i filling in i took time away from my family to help this coach out and here he is doing whatever selfish thing he wanted to do like it's just anyway so our current team members are phenomenal um they're all team players they're on board with a full hour of education for our classes uh like get yeah but again it it took a little bit of work
0: mm-hmm. yeah and the best things do take a lot of work and a lot of time often more than not so yeah i i love to hear though that 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 has been growing that, that team has been really kind of solidifying and i know before we got onto that topic and even back in our roundtable discussion with nicole um, that you had brought up the team in the sense of you needed, uh, I think it was, you needed a gym manager uh, to help run things, especially during the pandemic. And you even said just shortly ago that the pandemic has uh, been beneficial to your gym. Could you, could you speak a little more on that? I, I assume those things might be a little tied together, um, but could you maybe kind of speak more on like, well, how, how has the coronavirus been good for you?
1: Yeah, uh, that is definitely one of the two big things uh, during this period that I would say. So, because when this all went down, um, my my underlying passion is always going to be to the gym owner itself. Um, and as passionate as I am about keeping a gym home for our current members here in our gym, I have a better opportunity to serve more gym owners than we do of members in our gym. And so I went... Head down into all the triple P funding. How do I is there any advice I can provide to help gym owners manage the cash flow that might be a problem during the COVID? EIDLs, all that stuff. I mean, I was it was tax season hours for us, even though they the government extended the tax deadline. Like I'm, you know, I was putting in 60 hours a week. Um, I spent hundreds of hours researching the stupid documentation for all these things. And I realized it's like, My gym is on the back burner. Like, this was a great opportunity to force us to, say, implement and see if we can figure out a virtual personal training service. And uh, it just wasn't happening. So now I'm like, serving gym owners on one side, giving them triple P-loan, and on the back end, I have all this guilt because I'm letting our gym itself kind of suffer. Like, man, we really, it really would have been helpful to have a full-time person at the gym who takes on this responsibility. Because I would say three weeks before COVID hit, we started talking about, and we started taking applications. Uh, We're like, well, you know, we need a full-time GM. But then when this happened, it's like, you definitely needed a full-time GM. And so we even, we hired our current GM full-time position in the middle of the coronavirus before we even reopened and it has made all the difference Hmm. like the momentum that we're able to pick up because he's there full-time and like yeah it's been great
0: so he was a manager prior he just wasn't full-time yet
1: he was our coach he was a coach coach. yeah our we had always been basically a part-time type of company and again there's we love our part-time coaches and the part-time GMs that we've had, they did what they could with the part-time hours they could give us. Um, but I realized because me and my business partner in the gym are also basically part-time at the gym, no one's full-time. When, so you have something part-time, it's never, so, it's never gonna be your number one priority. So literally every single team member that was part of our gym was part-time. So our gym is always going to be second to all other emergencies or any sort of priorities. And we even with the, the GM that we had at the time, uh, you know, he totally understood what we were talking about. He actually came to us and said, you guys, I just feel bad. Like, I can't give you everything that we need right now. And so, you know, with a lot of love and respect, he's like, "We, you got to find someone full time probably. And I can't do this full-time like yeah great thank you because he was great part-time for the hours he would give us and so yeah we went through that process and we realized you need at least a full-time person so a lot of gym owners they are the full-time person and that works but um just the scenario I jumped into we none of us were and you really you really do need it you really do
0: Yeah, no, that that makes sense. I mean, like you said, if you're a gym owner, you're full-time, great. That's cool. But you're you're just saying you need a full-time person. And like, I I like how you said um, everyone was part-time and if everyone's part-time, no one one has the gym as their number one priority. So I think that's very telling um, and very true. Uh, So what what does the role of your manager look like? How did that change from coach to being a full-time manager is a lot more like He's scheduling, he's programming. How has that kind of transitioned his job even?
1: Yeah, well, for our specific scenario, because I do believe what your GM does uh, from a GM role standpoint is also going to be based on how many members you have and how large your gym is. We're still small, Um, and so as part of his full-time salary, he does have coaching hours that he does as part of that. So he still coaches, but then for the other stuff, I mean, I think most gym owners know or realize like you don't really want any one of your coaches, including yourself to be on the floor, you know, 20 to 25 hours a week is, that's a full load, you know, and so if someone's full time, you still have 20 to 25 hours a week of other stuff they could do. Um, So the other stuff they're doing, I mean, just everything that you can imagine. He's he's organizing the, the cleaners, making sure they're staying on top of it, holding them accountable. Uh, he goes around and just cleans up stuff. I mean, the other day, just sometimes cobwebs form in the corner. And when you don't have someone full time, they don't, no one has the time to go around and get a little PVC pipe and clean those up. So he was going around and doing that. He makes sure our sanitizer bottles stay full and He's meeting with prospects. He's engaging with people on our website. He uh, recreated standard operating procedures. He's holding coaches meetings regularly because he's full time and he can now give the attention to like kind of get everyone scheduled. Um, We have a weekly meeting with him as well. Anyway, so like just the typical management stuff that you would probably expect any GM to do.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool i'm glad you had someone though on your team too who is you could kind of usher into that position that's wonderful instead of being like we have nobody and we need this
1: we were that's such a good point we were legit concerned about bringing in a brand new person into that role and um i actually had interviewed someone who had just moved into the area and she i think could have worked she it was a really long commute for her though and um so, when she's like, Yeah, I just can't get past the commute because we're talking like an hour commute, I'm like, yeah, I get it. Um, then we're like, Well, I mean, we think this coach might be in a position where he's interested and he people already know him. And honestly, he has been 7,000 times better than we thought he would be. Like, he's really owned the position and taken accountability and pushed things, and which is a really great part of having someone full time. We no longer have to drive the part-time people as the owners, saying, "Hey, can you do this, this, and this?" Now he's coming to us, saying, "Hey, can I do this, this, and this?" And by the way, this is what I did. You know, it's like, yes, great. We we have movement. Change is happening. This is great.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you've been able to push that ownership and and empower someone else to make those decisions and changes, which you guys have probably always wanted to do. You just haven't had the bandwidth to do it.
1: Exactly. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, that's awesome, John. I love that you you, you learned from the pandemic um, and grew from that. So, so the biggest one you said there were two there were two things. One of the big ones was hiring a gym manager. What was the other one that you learned?
1: So I when we're I'm thinking about the pandemic period, and then we have kind of the CrossFit uh, HQ Greg Glassman scenario. Um, we were one of those. And I see, I've read all the posts. I read all the posts. I mean, I get it. Some people are like, oh, you people took the knee jerk reaction. How you feel now, idiots, blah, blah, blah. Uh, so we were one of the gyms who took a knee jerk reaction. Um, we felt like it was appropriate based on our community, based on our culture, based on immediate feedback we were getting from members and desiring us to take a stance. Um, and so we um, quickly mentioned to our internal community, hey, we are an inclusive gym. We do not, we don't think it's fair to ever segregate or treat anyone else differently. Um, So just so everyone feels safe, we're an inclusive environment. And at this point, we've chosen to not renew our CrossFit affiliate, um, our CrossFit affiliation. And um, that was really good because then it forced, this is why it was good for us. It forced us to do something that I know we've had to do for a really long time, which was identify our own brand message. Because CrossFit itself is great, but at the same time, if you think about the whole makeup of the United States, because that's where we're at, or in our case, the makeup of you know, Draper, Utah, which is where our gym is located, you know, um, you have to, we had to realize, you know, 90% of our potential members are definitely not interested in the CrossFit Games and they might have a perception about CrossFit. So how do I brand my message to communicate to my local community what they'd be getting if they came and joined us as part of their fitness family? And so um, we went through some, a story brand exercises. I don't know if you've ever, the Don Miller book, like it is phenomenal. Um, I had actually, we had gone as insight tax to one of his workshops In fact, in February, like the last flight I was on, like two weeks later, then the world changed. Um, And so you kind of story brand, like, who is your character? What is is your character's problem? And how do you solve that problem? And so for us, the whole, like, whatever any word people want to call the whole HQ thing before Eric bought it, Um, That really forced us to do that, which we should have done anyways, which every gym, whether you keep the name CrossFit in your gym or not, whether you de-affiliated or not, whether you did and you're coming back or you just stayed the whole time, all gyms need their own brand identity because I don't know how everyone else is, but even here in Utah, we have 23 other CrossFit gyms within a 15-mile radius of where we're at. So why are we different than somebody else? well by identifying so for us um the way drapers makeup is is we have a lot of high income in housing and um there's a lot of mothers who are stay-at-home moms who have kids like that would be a great audience for us Uh, we already have a group of women who are strong who are mothers and uh, they have you know their kids with them like let's just have more of those people similar to what i did When I read Pumpkin Plan and like, hey, I really enjoy working with gym owners. Hey, our coaches and we ourselves really enjoy helping mothers with their fitness and taking that stress off their plate. Well, guess what? Our marketing message then to stay-at-home moms who have children is gonna be different than if your marketing message is to uh, first responders or we're looking for um, 25-year-old college student men as our primary demographic or um, we want CrossFit game competitors, you know, your, your message is different. And so this has forced us to really identify that. And so we've, so we're changing our name, but we are going to re like, we are going to renew our affiliation and all that stuff, uh, because we're really excited about what Eric is doing. Um, And we, again, we were fans of CrossFit. We just obviously from, you know, I think most people understand. Uh, what was the problem with um, maybe Greg's personal behaviors and things like that? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, no, yeah. I mean, you're right. In the end, it comes down to: Do you know who you are? Do you know what your brand is? Do you know what story you're telling? In the end, past all of all of the stuff that has happened over the past few weeks with CrossFit, like I love that that it comes down to like whether you affiliate. Um, or you disaffiliate whatever it may be, it comes down to do you know your brand, and you need to know it on both sides of that. I like that, John. I think that's good, so yeah, interesting, interesting takeaways from this time period of four to six months of from a gym manager to understanding um you know the identity on your branding message, so I think that those are some really good points, and hopefully our audience will be encouraged to. One get a manager, a full time person, if they don't have it, and two really kind of look and see what their story is and what their brand is saying, whether they're a actual CrossFit gym and have CrossFit in their name or not. So no, I love that. And then I do want to ask, um, as we're starting to kind of wrap up, um, if you could share, just because you have talked to hundreds of micro gyms, um, are there maybe any common commonalities of challenges and uh, ways they've overcome things maybe that you've seen in talking to you know these various gyms and if there's anything maybe you could share like hey this is a common thing i'm seeing um maybe a common issue and here's a common i know every gym is different but here's maybe something that we've seen really kind of works to help you overcome this common problem does that make sense
1: yeah I, I know what you're asking. Yes, I think. <laughs> um, I mean, my first response is that I have found that everyone is unique in their own way. Um, you know, one of the common problems that we see is gym owners constantly falling on the sword. Like, you know, what I'm—they're working their tails off. You know, they are putting in a heroic number of hours but they often find themselves living paycheck to paycheck. And that is, it's hard because what happens when you're working that many hours and you're in it in that regard and like just survival mode, you don't give yourself time to breathe, to look at the bigger picture. And, you know, sometimes I feel like it's because of the cash flow or whatever, like, well, I can't hire someone to do this other times they have hired other people to do that they just still find themselves stuck in the weeds um i can tell you i feel so strongly about the importance of gym owners having mentors um, i personally have mentors not not just as a gym owner but insight tax i have always had mentors depending on the my big need that i have um having someone who's kind of been down that road before who has more experience in that area is so critical because as you're an owner it's lonely at the top. And if you go and complain to uh one of your coaches or another member about legitimate problems that you have, many of them perceive it as like, who's this whiny baby? Like, oh, I mean they all these members think we're like millionaires and whatever. It's like actually uh no, we're we're not and uh the gym actually isn't making any money and we've been funding you know, it's like um yeah, so it's lonely at the top, and so to have someone else who understands what you're going through and can be a sounding board, and then you can have good dialogue about things to do. Um, honestly, I think that that is a big key to uh, finding success in this industry, because there's no point there's no point in reinventing the wheel. Uh, you know, fitness for most people who are members. It's just a flavor of ice cream for them. Like, whether someone's an Orange Theory or an F45 or their own Berry Bootcamp type of model, whatever, like, the way the world sees us is those are different flavors of ice cream. Um, and how are you going to get your flavor to be preferred and someone wanting to come back and eating it over and over again, right? So, um, that can't happen if the gym owner's not giving themselves time to think about the business side. And uh, so, I, I mean, honestly, that's one of the reasons why I wrote the book Profit First for Microgyms and why we focus on the cash flow side, because a lot of gyms don't need to change anything other than the way they manage their cash. And that alone gives them enough of a window to start the process of growing their gym differently, um, you know, because improving your cash flow gives you the ability to hire the mentor that you need to improving your cash flow allows you to hire the personnel out so you can leverage your time so that you then use that time to work on the gym but yeah so many of them are just and there's also this deep-seated it's a service mentality and it's great it's actually what makes uh, the gym owners that we work with phenomenal human beings is they care so much about their members and their fitness and a lot of times when there's that charitable nature of literally saving someone's life because they're healthier, getting off medication, losing weight, living longer, all that stuff. Sometimes we feel bad um, if, you know, it's like, ah, should I make money off of this? Like, just feels like maybe I shouldn't because what I'm doing is so beneficial. Um, that mindset has gotta change. Like, you can have the mindset, I can change people's lives, but I deserve to be compensated I'm putting out value into the world, I should be able to receive value back. And there's nothing wrong with asking members to give that value to you. Um, But I think a lot of gym owners are uncomfortable with that conversation because they're like, but I'm doing good for them and I don't wanna stop doing good for them, I still want them to change. Yeah, but if we look at the long-term aspect of that, you're not gonna be around. the long term if you continue to fall on the sword like at some point burnout will happen if there's not enough profitability it just it happens and then gyms close and like i said the majority of people who need you most as a gym owner who need your services they are not going to find a new gym like i think we maybe forget how much courage it took them to come into the and to see your gym in the first place and create that new habit. And if like, I can tell you from experience, I was that person, you know, 41% body fat when I started. That's because the few habits that I created, like as soon as I created the habit and if it stopped, we're talking years before I figure that out again, like, oh, I should really take the steps here. Um, We are kind of creatures of habit. And so stick around, like you gotta be profitable to stick around.
0: Yeah, man, that was, that's, oh man, so many good points. Uh, just even, I think, it, like you said, it really comes down to you have to know your value and know that you are worth being paid and making a profit. And ultimately, what I'm hearing John say, what I'm hearing you say, John, is that comes back to. Your goal and your desire to make an impact because if you want to continue to make impact with your members with your coaches that you employ You have to make a profit so your business can be there because if you don't make a profit, guess what's going away um, So I love that I think that's a great mindset shift that I think our listeners need to take if that's something they struggle with of like But I, oh, I just I want to change people's lives I don't want to have to do this business stuff and and take their money and all that well you need to do that in order to change their lives. It's this whole circle, it's circle of life, the whole thing over again. So no, you made some great points, John. Thank you. Thank you for all that insight. Just and even sharing, you know, what you've been hearing from other gyms and what you've seen. I mean, what you've seen in your own journey as a gym owner, I think it's cool that you have such a broad uh, view of that all. And even just love hearing your passion come through uh, for this micro gym industry. Like, who would have thought? So um, it's cool to hear how your life's been changed through it. But awesome. Well, John, hey, it's been so great talking to you today. It's been great chatting and just picking your brain, um, hearing what's what, how you came to be where you are. It, it's just kind of cool. And it's neat to know that uh, we have such passionate people, um, passionate accountants <laughs> in the micro gym industry who are also gym owners. So, um, to our listeners, hopefully, if you didn't get something out of this conversation, you go back and listen to it again, because John had a lot of good things to say. I'm always taking notes during it all, but hopefully you you took a nugget and you'll go ahead and apply it, whether that's getting someone full-time into your gym or knowing your value and your worth, or um, you know figuring out what your story is and your brand that you're trying to say. Um, so John, thank you. Thank you for being here today. It was a pleasure having you.
1: Thank you for having me. This was great.
0: And that wraps it up for this episode of Box Talk. If you liked what you heard, or you have an idea of what you'd like to hear, let me know by emailing heather at peakmedia.com, peak spelled P-E-A-K-E. As always, thanks for dropping in.